0: Today, we're privileged to have with us the founder and president of People G2, Chris Dyer. Hey,
1: Chris. Good afternoon, and thank you for joining me. Again, my name is Chris Dyer, and I'll be your host here for the next hour on the Talent Talk radio show. We have a really good lineup of uh, guests here today, and throughout the year, we've also got some stellar guests that we've been arranging and putting together, so look forward to having you come back and uh, visit us uh, many more times this year. And just in case this is the very first time you're listening to the show, well, first off, welcome, and let me tell you a little bit about how it works. Uh, for those of you that have tuned in, this is your cue to go get a snack or run to the restroom. We'll be back. You bypass the, the intro here, but what we try to do is have a wide range of guests who care about talent management, leadership development, or and company culture, and in the business world, Talent really has a couple different meanings. And the first, it relates to success and how really talented people achieve success. And the second is how talent relates to human resources and how HR leaders find the best candidates for their companies. More often than not, those HR leaders actually kind of fill both those buckets. So we look to explore these two areas and how the uh, talented individual can impact a company's culture. My the guests on this show typically include CEOs, HR execs, entrepreneurs, business leaders, authors, coaches, just just about anyone you can think of that has something pretty good to say from all different industries. Uh, What usually happens is as I run across these people, um, sometimes at networking events or conferences, and I have the privilege of meeting these inspiring leaders and. I created this forum so that you could listen in our dialogue instead of me having the, the only privilege to hear what really cool, interesting, and smart things they might have to say. And hopefully, learn some practical advice on cultivating talent, developing leaders, managing culture, and most importantly, impacting your own career in a positive way. Really hope that you can at least take one tidbit from today something that somebody said, probably one of my guests, that was really smart, and you can go back and apply it to your life, to your company. uh, your own leadership style and and make your life a little bit better don't forget uh you can listen to this show via podcast it's actually how most people end up interacting even though we do tape it live every tuesday 1 p.m pacific standard time in uh here in orange county but um you can go to itunes and uh, or open up your podcast app on your apple device and get it if you don't have that you can Any device, you can use your iHeart app. We're now on syndicate with iHeartRadio. And you can subscribe to the feed, have the show sent to you. Look for past shows. A lot of cool people we've had in the show you might want to listen to. But you can join the other, as of last week, 201,000 people who downloaded the show. And we're really excited to have all of you listening and interacting and tweeting us and everything else. So just uh, keep it up and make sure you're sharing it with your network. We'd love to kind of get the word out and and allow our guests to, to reach even more people. So let's go ahead and get to today's show. Don't forget, you can tweet me a question live to ask the guests if you'd like. At uh, PeopleG2, use that hashtag talent talk if you've got room, but just do at PeopleG2 and say, my question, you know, my question is, you know, what about this or what about that? And we will try to feed it in right now and ask it to them. You can also send us suggestions. But for today, my first guest is going to be... Uh, uh, Sonny Tosco, the CEO of Limelight Mobile, Inc. And my second guest will be uh, Lori uh, Almedia. She's the Chief Talent Officer of Siegel Gale. I met her recently up in uh, out in uh, New York. And uh, I look forward to speaking with Lori here at the second half of the show. But let's go ahead and get to Sonny. Sonny, welcome to the show.
0: Hey, Chris. How's it going?
1: It's going great. How about you?
0: Good, good.
1: So, tell us about yourself and, you know, the interesting stuff and uh, also about your company, Limelight Mobile.
0: Yeah, definitely. So, uh, a little bit about me. Raised in East San Jose. Didn't have uh, much money growing up. So, naturally, I just kind of became an entrepreneur at an early age. And I didn't really realize the skills I was developing at the time, you know. Uh, when I was in middle school, for example, you know, I would do people's homework for money, you know. And, right. uh, Eventually, you know, that hard work paid off, eventually got accepted to West Point and uh, graduated there in 2006 with a degree in psychology and systems engineering. So after that, uh, I went ahead and went into active duty, moved to Texas for that to do air defense artillery. And uh, during that time, you know, I kept starting side businesses such as a nightclub, shirt company, all while serving as an army officer. So after calling it a career in 2012, I decided to go into the civilian world. And I actually decided to start Limelight back in 2014, uh, April of last year. And the idea came from my third deployment. And they sent us over to Bahrain in the Arab Spring. And unfortunately, Fox and CNN were the only view we had into the country. So we prepped for the worst-case scenario. And when we got there, we found that it was a misrepresentation of the truth because families were still going out, taking their kids to the mall water park. And it would have been nice to have a peek as to what was going on there in order for us to plan. So from there, I decided to go full-time into Limelight last year and basically create a social platform where people can see what's happening right now through the eyes of any user in the world.
1: It's a great idea and platform. And... I know I've kind of had a little opportunity to, to experience uh, or hear about your, your, your product uh, a little bit. Um, and we'll kind of get into that a little bit more. But, you know, I love the the kind of initial start about doing people's homework for money. You know, I, I recently had my kids come say, you know, Dad, we really want to go do this thing. You know, we need, we need money. We need. I'm like, well, so go get it. Like, you know, go go make your own money. And they, they stared at me blankly like I was crazy um, because that's just what I did. I know you're also part of another company, Weave Networking. Can you talk a little bit about what that is and, and kind of impacting how you see it impacting businesses and entrepreneurs?
0: Yeah, definitely. So, I'm a brand ambassador as well for Weave, which is basically a networking app with Tinder functionality which allows you to connect with other professionals in your area. So, it connects with your LinkedIn and as you're looking at people's profiles in a 10-mile radius, you can swipe right if you can connect if you want to connect with them and you think they could add value, or you can swipe left and go on to the next person. Right, little success story there. I actually uh, met my front end engineer, Joel Garcia, on that app. So it's definitely brought me value, and I constantly tell people about it because I think it's a tremendous product. You know, currently, in order to build your network, you have to go out and find meetups and schedule that time after work, but since it's all proximity based, you can just open it up and swipe wherever, uh, whatever area you're in, and start meeting some of the professionals in that area, and it may lead to your next opportunity.
1: Yeah, it's very cool. I'd never heard of that app, and that's really interesting. It's kind of taking that uh, Tinder feel and adding it to business. And there's so many great people usually right in your own area. We spend all this time networking and marketing, and doing all these things to these people that maybe we can't meet with face-to-face and yet right in your own backyard, I guess it depends a little bit on where you're located, but for most of us, right in your own backyard or some fantastic people that want and need your business or know people who want and need your business and are happy to be advocates for you because they like you and they like you because you're in their backyard and they... You can meet up with them, and they can also come pan on your door if you screw them. So, <laughs> you know, they, yeah. they know where you are, and there's a certain certain level to that, right? So well, like, you kind of, kind of put you in this category of a serial entrepreneur, and you obviously see a lot of value in a product like Weave Marketing. Can you talk about some of the challenges that you face as an entrepreneur and any advice maybe you have for entrepreneurs that are just starting out?
0: Yeah, you know, uh, so when I started last April, uh, one of the things that I didn't realize was an obstacle was that I didn't have a network. You know, outside of my uh, friends that I grew up with and the ones I went to high school with, you know, I didn't really keep in touch with anyone. So when I came out here, you know, it finally hit me that between going to school on the East Coast and being in the Army, I essentially lost that decade of time where I could have been building up my professional network. And that's why that tool, Weave, was just fast and seamless for me to go ahead and do that. And um, just to build on that, you know, uh, people fund people that they already know in the Valley, you know, or they give intros to people that, I've, that they've already built rapport with over time. So that was one of the things working against me immediately. And when we went down to L.A., when we met you end of July, uh, we were in the green room with Damon John and I asked him, uh, what kept you going during the, uh, dark times of a company? And he said that life's a series of strategic partners, you know, and whether it's your spouse, your team, your crew, people you came up with, you know, those are the people that really believe in you and the mission that you're trying to achieve and the ones that'll keep you going during those low points. And To take it back to all on who you know, I think the saying goes, you're an average of the five people you associate yourselves with, and, you know, when you are associating yourselves with progressive, entrepreneur, independently driven people, you know, it really sets you up for success, I believe.
1: Yeah, you're absolutely right, and you kind of mentioned a little bit about the event, so kind of full disclosure, I was a judge with, along with Damon John and a few other guys, uh... You know, for the tap the future, Miller Coors put on a, a fantastic event, and Sunny and his uh, Limelight uh, mobile idea was there presenting. And so, you guys did a fantastic job presenting. And I think just by the the thinnest of margins, by the chin chin chin, did you did you get edged out by another company? But um, <laughs> you guys did a, an excellent job, and I, I think it was a you know, it's a really good idea and a really interesting perspective, especially the way that uh, the way in which you kind of came about. To that idea, uh, given you kind of mentioned that our, our news outlets don't always give us the same news. I, I always noticed that when I would, let's say, go to Europe, how different the news was. And then I would go on my mm-hmm. on my app, right, and I'd be like, well, CNN says, like, the world is about to end, and Fox News says everyone's trying to kill us, <laughs> and but I'm standing right here and everything's fine. So yeah, there's that real interesting... Uh, kind of dialogue between you know what's sensational and what's what's reality. maybe you could Absolutely. you know maybe you could talk a little bit more about you know what's some of the traction you guys have had with limelight I mean are you seeing it, it sort of take a, a a more serious kind of saturation in particular areas or what what are you seeing right now for that?
0: Yeah, so uh, where we are right now is uh, we have about 1,350 users, um, and our retention has been great month over month after we launched in May. A lot of that uh, growth has been organic because uh, after we launched, we got feedback from our customers that some of the UI, UX wasn't where it should be, and they wanted to see other features. So, you know, you can't grow tech something that isn't ready. So we kind of halted acquisition, but it still continue to grow. Um We've been seeing activity in uh, really our main concentrations in the Bay Area, but we have a concentration as well in SoCal. And overseas, China is the most concentrated area. And we're trying to figure out right now why people keep coming back. You know, uh, We're trying to conduct user testing right now to see if people like um, connecting with the user at that location more. Or seeing the real time photo of that location so uh, for example if I was traveling to Hawaii am I more interested in seeing if the tsunami that just happened affected where I'll be staying or am I more uh, or do I place more value on connecting with a user that at the beach that I planned on going to in order to start uh, getting to know people um, without the intimidation of meeting them face to face and having to break the ice so or, that's kind of where we're at with that.
1: Or did they just want to see girls in bikinis?
0: Hey, <laughs>
1: you know that's another
0: use case too. <laughs> <Right>. um, <laughs> but uh, we 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 went back to the drawing board and um, we went ahead and uh, created a redesign of it. So we're going to be releasing that in September. That has a lot more aesthetic appeal and is a lot more intuitive than our version one.
1: Right. All right. Well, I'm excited to to see it, and uh, I know I'm going to be kind of checking that out some more, along with the other weave networking that you you mentioned, uh, and I'm sure our users will as well. And if you have a great feedback for him, I'm sure he'd love to to get it. Uh, the other thing that you mentioned that was you know was fascinating. We've had some really notable um, people on the show that have have served in in our armed forces. And their perspectives, and especially when they're very entrepreneurial, I always find that really fascinating because for me as an mm-hmm. entrepreneur, that yeah. level of kind of perceived um, conformity, I, I might say, is sometimes not mm-hmm. appealing. And so for someone to take the structure and the organizational parts that are really, really awesome components of you know in any kind of military functional- function you're talking about, and then applying it to being an entrepreneur so if you can kind of balance those two cuz for me like being you know in a group of people having to do the same thing all the time like you know kind of that the initial part of, of being a grunt let's say in the army or wherever whatever division you're <laughs> in would would I could never handle that right but if someone right. that can handle that and can take the, those incredible lessons of structure and organization and process and movement and then apply it to something that's pretty remarkable, and that's why we've seen some really kind of key people. I mean, we had Kelly Perdue, who was at Season 2, winner of The um, the Apprentice. He yeah, was on the show, right? and, yeah, and he, he talked a lot of, about some, some of the similar things. Uh, and 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 also talked about how getting people from all different walks of life into that group setting it, it as a level of empathy within for the rest of your life, which, oh, yeah. which is which is sort of the same thing as traveling. You get out there, and you travel, and you realize you know how different yet how similar we are to to, to each other. But maybe you can talk a little bit about your your time there. I guess maybe share a little bit about what you, you did. In the let's start there. What, you know, what were some of the things that you did in the Army? Kind of, You, you did West Point, and, and you graduated from there, and then you, had, you spent your time in the Army. What were some of the, you know, the general things that you were, were charged with?
0: Yeah, so uh, I actually started off in air defense artillery, which is the Patriot missile system. Basically, if a missile comes in... Then I'm in charge of the weapon system that launches another missile at it to shoot it out of the sky, right, at about 30,000 feet. So uh, that was uh, what I was in charge of when I first started off. But, you know, I was 22 years old in charge of 30 people. You know, I had my uh, I had my periods of immaturity. And, you know, as you mentioned, I wasn't a conformist at all. You know, uh, having to have my medals like an eighth of an inch off the pocket, for example, you know, it's... Those those details I really didn't care for, you know. Right. But you have to, you have to, you know, uphold that standard for your soldiers. So I uh, got with my crew, and we became one of the better engagement crews in the battalion. And essentially, uh, we kept uh, improving, improving our engagement operations. Um, and we got to the point where we would deploy and basically control a third of the missile power in the Persian Gulf. After I got done with that phase of my career, uh, my crowning achievement is really being the chief of operations for uh, for our 300 person organization uh, during our 2011 deployment. And, you know, it was a challenging opportunity. Um, I was a captain at the time, had about four years in, and it's a job usually reserved for a major, someone with at least a decade of experience. But, you know, I seized the opportunity and thought it was a great learning experience to test my personal mettle
1: mm-hmm.
0: and also see how I would be able to hand myself in that position. And, you know, was able, we were able to get a lot of deliverables. Um, we were able to produce a lot of deliverables uh, while we were also undermanned and under-resourced. So it was a great experience, and I don't regret any of it.
1: So how do you think some of those challenges and experiences then translate for you in the business world, with your business ventures, and maybe even enough, we kind of use a broader stroke here, in general for those people coming home and coming into the workforce, as a lot of times people have a a hard time figuring out, and the employer has a hard time, and the, uh, the soldier has a hard time figuring out how they fit, right, into civilian life. So how do some of those lessons then translate?
0: Yeah, so uh, one of the things I started to realize was that you have job stability in the Army. You know, um, you have your contract, you're set the time that you're supposed to serve, and you are able to use that as an opportunity to use it as a testbed uh, for your own personal development. So uh, one of the things I did in my uh, second deployment is I already knew I didn't want to go to grad school. You know, I wanted to be an entrepreneur. So uh, what I did during that time was I bought every book from Stanford's MBA program on entrepreneurship, and I just read the that entire set while we were deployed. And as I was going through and picking up these principles, you know, some of the things stood out, and I was like, huh, you know, that's a real effective management um, tactic, you know, in theory. Now while I'm in this position, let me go ahead and see if it meshes with my personality and my personal leadership style, you know. So after running through a couple of these experiments, you know, I was able to see what I was effective at and what I wasn't effective at. Mm -hmm. And I think just being able to use that as a test bed really allowed me to develop at a much faster rate.
1: Yeah, that's an important thing. I mean, uh, you get to do a lot of different jobs. You get to try a lot of different things, and you get to, like I said, kind of experiment with what you like, what you don't like, and that's one thing that you know employers may need to think about as they're looking to hire those people that are coming back from service, um, whether it was service here domestically or they were, you know, um, deployed overseas. Is that those people have probably experienced more and had to handle more and had the opportunity to kind of you know, stretch their wings, should we say, uh, in different areas than maybe the average person of of a similar age. So, if you come back and you're, you know, you're twenty five, twenty six, or you're twenty eight, or whatever it may be, uh, you're you're going to have probably experience a heck of a lot more than someone else of similar age who's you know just been in the general workforce. So, you may come with a bit more experience. Oh, absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. So, you know, one of the things I'm curious about then is, is what's your management style like and now as an entrepreneur running a company? Is it, uh, hey, guys, this is what we're doing. Go get it done. I mean, is it? do you have a, a similar military voice or have you had to kind of modify a little bit?
0: Um, you know, I, I think uh, the principles all stay the same. You know, um, one of the things that I found was really effective and I think is consistent across is servant leadership. I think the quote is, uh I think it was Steve Jobs that said you, you want to hire great people and then have them tell you what to do. You know, that's how I like to run the shop, you know, uh, all the guys are very capable and able to get the job done, you know, they have way more experience in software than I do. And what I want them to do is what I want to do is give them the autonomy to make these decisions, bring these suggestions to the table so they all have a sense of ownership in the team's success. You know, and if there's something they need, I, we bring the issue up, and I make sure that they have the resources that are able to get the job accomplished. You know, uh, one of the things that I picked up from a book called uh, The Front Office is uh, The Window Mirror Principle. Uh, have you heard of it, Chris?
1: Uh, I've heard of it. I haven't read it, though.
0: Okay. So basically uh, what it what it is is uh, when things go Wrong in the organization, what you do is look in the mirror first and ask yourself, uh, ask yourself honestly, what you could have done to get it right. Um, because that purpose, direction, motivation that the team needs has to come from you. You know, and when things are going right, you know, you look out of the window and you recognize the guys for their accomplishment. You know, and I, and I've exercised this in uniform and out of uniform, and to this day, I still think that that yields the best results.
1: Well, it sounds like a great book to, uh, to check out, and it seems like a great practice to have in place every day. And to, to have some of those little things sometimes can really have a huge impact for people on how they monitor their own uh, development, their own behaviors, and their own successes and, and actions with others. So I'm glad to hear you're doing that, and I highly suggest our uh, listeners uh, take a, take a look at that book if they're interested in picking up a new book this month. One of the, other, the last things I want to make sure we ask you is if people are interested in learning more about Limelight or any of the things that you're you're uh, you're kind of doing right now. What's the best way for them to do that?
0: Yeah, so uh, you guys can go ahead and uh, give us a follow on uh, Get Limelight app on Twitter, uh, on Instagram, where uh, Get Limelight. Uh, feel free to connect with me on LinkedIn. You know, I love hearing uh, more people's stories and seeing if I can help people in any way. Uh, Sunny Tosco and uh, give us a download on the App Store uh, it's the app Limelight we'd love to hear your guys' feedback and continue to witness and share the journey as we continue forward to make the world transparent
1: well Sunny, I really appreciate you being on the show I know we probably have a million more things we could talk about so we'd love to have you come back at some point and uh of course, yeah, as Limelights grows and you're you're having some more successes, or of course, if you screw it all up and then you find a way to fix it, that's even a better story for us. But I hope that doesn't happen. So. But <laughs> well, you know, we've
0: already got a couple under our belt. All right, well.
1: <laughs> good. Well, you know, continue success, and we'll talk soon. And I uh, really appreciate you being on the show. I appreciate it. Take care. Up next will be Lori Almeida, who will join us after this quick commercial break. Welcome back to the Talent Talk Radio Show. Don't forget, you can check us out on that podcast app on iTunes or the iHeartRadio app uh, with any device. And uh, talenttalkradio.com is a great place to, to check us out. But let's go ahead and get to our next guest, um, Laurie Almeida. From She's a Chief Talent Officer of Siegel Gale. So, Lori, welcome to the show. Thank you. And uh, it's good to hear from, from you again. I know Lori and I met, uh, how many months ago was that? Two months ago, maybe? Three months ago? Yeah,
2: about two months ago. Yeah,
1: two months ago, back in New York uh, at, a, at a conference. And uh, you were uh, very knowledgeable and uh, articulate. And so I knew, well, we had to have her on the show. So why don't you tell everyone a little bit about yourself, about your background, and of course, what you're doing at your company?
2: Sure, sure. Um, I, like Chris had said, I am the Chief Talent Officer at Siegel and Gale. We are a global brand strategy, design, and experience firm, and we're basically the simplicity company. So we blend science with art and the power of simplicity to really help organizations reach their full potential. I've been here for just about four years, and within the Omnicom Network, um, which is our holding company, for just over eleven years. I've been leading HR initiatives for, ouch, nearly two decades. Now I feel old. Um, I'm an attorney with uh, a background in employment law, immigration, and leadership. And I I lead HR strategy globally for us. I dedicate most of my time to really developing our corporate culture and instilling our values, which are smart, nice, and unstoppable. And we hire talented people who live these values every day.
1: Well, I'm sure that you started your work then in HR when you were, what, 10? So exactly. it, it's fine. <laughs> it's fine. <laughs> well, as a, as a chief talent officer or CTO, as we call it sometimes, you're kind of at the lead of, of, of being at the head of strategy there when it, when it comes to your HR components, and I'm sure even broader as well. But s- since you arrived in 2011, maybe you can talk about how your position or maybe your influence has grown when it comes to the, being that strategic partner for the company you know, as it relates to HR and other important areas.
2: Sure. Um, When I joined the company, we were undergoing some changes. Our founder, um, Alan Siegel, was moving from a chairman role to a chairman emeritus role. Um, And my role was to really ease the employees through the transition while ensuring that we were still delivering great work and our culture wasn't sacrificed. Mm -hmm. Um, We have a really special culture here. Everybody really believes in delivering simplicity in all that we do. And our employees really live our values every day, and it's really important that we hire people that live our values every day. And it's, it takes a lot of time to sort of develop a pipeline of talent that are smart, nice, and unstoppable, and really believe in simplicity and want to do that in all that they do.
1: And, and you guys are also a, a global company, and so that comes with its own set of challenges that we talk about on the show from time to time. So. Driving HR strategy and leadership effectiveness on a global level is much different than focusing solely on the domestic market, even for a lot of companies that are headquartered in one particular place and have most of their people in one state or one area. You guys kind of have that much larger challenge. So what are some of the things that you do to ensure these strategies are effectively implemented across the company?
2: Sure. We really always consider the local markets. You know, each area really has... Unique goal, uh, goals, and each of the regional teams really shape what we do. Um, cultural considerations that are effective in one country could be useless in another. You know, when developing our HR strategy, we really consider the employees. We look at the long-term needs of the business. You know, and we step back and we determine. You know, will a contractor work? Do you need an employee? Is the return on the investment if we implement wellness programs going to be realized? Um, what kinds of policies and procedures are needed to keep us compliant? Each each market really requires a tailored approach.
1: Yeah, and so, but, but you can have these very local things. But you guys also then have, you know, larger corporate goals or corporate strategies that then maybe you have to implement in different ways because of that local, you know, kind of thought process? Or do you run into challenges where maybe, you know, something's going to work in New York, but you have a really hard time somewhere overseas being able to implement that same strategy?
2: I think with talent, finding talent, it's sometimes harder in different areas. Um, New York tends to be a very... um, a busy office, a high-volume office, we tend to get um, lots of traffic through the office with respect to resumes. Some of the other offices may not get, by sheer size, that, that volume. Um, and some of the talent pools in the areas that we have offices may not be as robust as they are in, like, New York and San Francisco. So we sort of have to adapt our strategies to the local markets.
1: Yeah, that makes sense. So when you're recruiting these, the, this talent, uh, I guess it obviously will depend on the areas, but what are, what are some of the methods that you and your team use to find you know, some of the top talent that's out there?
2: Well, we leave no stone unturned. We <laughs> literally look for talent everywhere. <laughs> um, we're always networking. Um, we're always maintaining our talent pipeline, so we have a really good pool of people right at our fingertips, and hopefully when they're available, we have a need. LinkedIn is best is is our best friend. I mean, we're always on LinkedIn, whether it be um, connecting with potential candidates or um, just sort of keeping an open dialogue with people that eventually you're going to want to hire. So it, it, we use LinkedIn quite a bit. Twitter we also use for following various thought leaders um, that we'd like to hire or at least connect with.
1: Mm-hmm.
2: Um, our biggest thing is, is um, with respect to talent is uh, employee referrals. We have the best employee referral program. I love that great people refer great people, and we get the bulk of our our referrals from our employees. And it's a real testament that they're referring people because, you know, you want them to be the people that are referring talent because they wouldn't refer someone that they didn't feel would be a great fit for the organization. Um, It's a reflection on them, and, and they take that very seriously. So it really opens the door to great people for us. And it helps that we reward them a little bit <laughs> when they send them to us. So
1: yeah, but you know, even with that, if they didn't like the work, if they didn't believe in the company, they probably wouldn't be sending you top people. They of might. They might send you some some joker they know, you know, <laughs> just so they can get their their little extra bonus or something. But if they're sending you great people. That's a real indication that your organization is, you know, the culture's working. It's well liked. That you guys are really. Uh, have a good focus there for your employees if they're willing to do that and, and help you find those great people. So that that is really kind of fantastic news for your organization to hear and to hear that because of really what those what that kind of means kind of on, on a deeper level. What, what percentage do you think your uh, of those are for your new hires are employee referrals? Is it you know above fifty percent?
2: Um, it's probably just below fifty percent. Right. I mean, it's it, it's pretty high. I mean, we get a fair amount of employee referrals. We don't hire all of them, but it's 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 a great way to you know reward your employees for sending you great people and tapping into their networks and yeah, it all works hand in hand.
1: So so you find this great talent. You know, about half the time it's your your own uh, staff helping you do that by by spreading the word. And so, but retaining and developing talent is another key kind of key issue for companies. So. What is it that your company is doing, you know, in its culture or in its engagement that makes employees want to stay and be, you know, part of the company?
2: Well, I think people really stay here because we really are a best place to work. We care about our employees' growth and their professional development. You know, we want them to stay and we want to invest in them just like we want them to stay and invest in us. Um, We really do a lot to help people balance their professional obligations with their personal ones. We have uh, backup child care, backup um, elder care. We have a whole host of uh, volunteering programs that we run. I mean, we really do a lot to help people kind of feel like they can keep everything in balance. Mm -hmm. Um, And if they're happy, then they perform better, which really translates to us to top-notch deliverables for our clients. Uh, we measure employee engagement annually to see how we're doing and what we can do better. And each year when we get our results back, we determine a list of, you know, three things that we're doing really well and then three things that we need to improve on. And then we position ourselves accordingly. And I, I think we're, we're doing a pretty good job of listening to what our employees are asking for and trying to uh, deliver.
1: So is it through the, some of those um, kind of measured studies that you're doing every year that helps you you know, really make sure that leadership is being really maintained at a high level, that, you know, you've got the right focus on succession plans in place or when you're going to need the next, you know, kind of thing to handle your leadership. And there isn't those sort of drop-offs that we see sometimes from companies. Is that really the the area where you kind of focus some of that data?
2: I think a lot of it is what makes it a great place to work, most of the data that we extract from the the engagement study, things that – we think will help people balance their work and home life, different programs that we can implement. It's a whole host of things. I mean, some years the study tends to be more heavily leaning towards things we can do with respect to leadership, culture. and other years, it's more, um, you know, work-life balance. It's sort of – it takes an interesting sort of approach every time.
1: Yeah, yeah. Well, and it makes sense because I know you you do uh – you do some of your own uh, thought leadership stuff as well. And I think I, it was an article that you contributed to uh, about aligning human resources and marketing to strengthen the overall brand experience. And there was a particular line in there in the article that really kind of st- stuck out for me. And that was transparency between departments has evolved from an innovative concept to a corporate imperative. So how does a company achieve this kind of transparency that you're talking about?
2: Well, I think for us, It's really achieved by um, HR partnering closely with marketing. Um, It doesn't really take a cultural shift because I work very closely with our CMO, Margaret Malloy, and we collaborate regularly on extending our internal brand ambassadors. So marketing will host some hands-on sessions on how to use and maximize social media tools for employees, and then the employees are learning new skills, and while at the same time they're now writing blogs, they're getting more content developed. And the employees are attending, learning how they can build up their social presence and really showcase their work and the rest of our work. Then that sort of translates to extending the work is being shown to their network. So Siegel and Gales' work is being promoted into their networks, and then it allows us to connect with people on a more personal level because most of their connections are, are personal connections. And these connections turn into, you know, future hires, even clients. You know, we really stay connected to employees after they join us because we want them to succeed in their roles and become brand ambassadors for us. When people decide to uh, part ways with us, we also want to do that in the best way possible because they're potential brand ambassadors. And I always see it as a sign of, of that I'm doing a good job when a person leaves and then all of a sudden I'll get an email from them with an employee referral. And they'll say, you know, I work with this person. He's really interested in Siegel and Gale. And, you know, I just thought it might be a nice fit. Hope you can meet them. I mean, it just says to me that they had a positive experience and that it's the ultimate endorsement in my book that they're coming right. my way and they're sending them to me.
1: Right, right. Because, yeah, if they've left, because, you know, not all positions are forever places for people. They they, they change careers. They change focuses. They move. They Yeah, for whatever reason, they decide to go to another job, and yeah, but they're still willing to send them back to you. That is a a great endorsement.
2: You you always want to maintain that positive um, position when they're leaving, because I do think that um, it does come back to us.
1: So one of the enemies of transparency can very often be time. As busy organizations and are growing and so much going on that we intend to be transparent and we intend to let everyone know what we're doing, but... There's only so many hours in the day, and given your focus between a work and life balance, it may really be a, a limited amount of hours to get all that done. So how are there certain things that you guys do to try to make sure that you're carving out time for that or ways in which that you, you meet with between different um, departments in the organization to ensure that transparency is really occurring?
2: I mean i spend a fair amount of time at all of our offices so i, I travel around uh, last week i visited our london office and the week before that i visited uh, los angeles and you know you have to sort of be a presence there because you want them to know that there's a connection and that they can call you and there's always an open line of communication
1: Hmm. so you know in, in kind of looking at all this you're, you're really doing a lot to make sure that your employees are engaged and I'm sure you can look at your own organization and maybe compare to other organizations, those that you admire, those that are on par, those that are struggling. But do you think that there are things that Signal Gale do that are really different or, or, how do we say, better in the way of employee engagement?
2: Well, I think more companies need to really focus on it. I mean, engaged employees are your, your best asset. Um, employee feedback really can be a, a great lens to view your organization through. So our culture really gets energized by participating in our study and sort of giving us feedback on things that they think will make it a better place, and it really energizes them. So once they're happy and fulfilled at work, it really turns them into external brand ambassadors. I mean, it helps them attract, it helps us attract top talent when they're happy and they're out there talking to their friends about how great their company is. Mm-hmm. And people want to work at great places when they're proud of their employer. You know, it's contagious. We definitely reap the benefits of it because we get great talent and then we have great potential talent in our pipeline.
1: Right, right. You know, kind of given your approach and everything that you're doing, I'm wondering, is there maybe a a past boss or a mentor or someone else in your life that kind of contributed to why you got into HR and are kind of in this leadership position to begin with?
2: I worked with someone years ago. I'm not going to say how many years ago. Um, and he was very influential. He was highly ethical, highly driven, and he really took time to sit down with me and really share lots of best practices with me. and i I, I sort of think he was the one that really kind of excited me about the profession and really what I could do.
1: Mm-hmm. Were there kind of particular things that you might you know identify, you know from a leadership standpoint that kind of, You know, whether he did or that you learned that you're kind of putting in now that you think are in that that best-of-breed leadership characteristics that really help.
2: Yeah. I mean, I I try to sort of, you know, identify somewhat with him, but I really have a lot of my own style in there. But, you know, I really believe that to lead people, you really have to better the lives of the people around you. Mm -hmm. And, you know, it sort of sounds simple, but it's not really simple. I mean, I think when you're making any decision about, training employees or dealing with clients or really anything you sort of have to look at the impact of how that decision will impact the people around you and I think both during good and bad times you have to make those decisions and I think when you're responding to people and your whole goal is to make their lives better and to really get out the best in them I, I think you're doing a good job I think that makes what what makes for a good leader
1: right absolutely well, one of our favorite questions to ask, and I'm hoping you have a fantastic answer for this question. So, lots of Boy. pressure. <laughs> okay. Yeah. Are you reading a book right now? And can you tell us about it?
2: Um, I'm I'm reading a few. I sort of can't read one book at a time. Um, one of
1: those people. Okay. All right. All right.
0: <laughs>
2: Um, well, my beach read that I'm working on is mm-hmm. actually uh, from an author in my hometown. Uh, her name is Jane Conway, and she wrote this book called uh, What If I Fly? And I, I really am enjoying it. I mean, it's a fun read about two families in Rhode Island, and uh, the local references are really nostalgic, and right. it, it sort of like makes me feel like I'm visiting home without having to get in the car and drive to Rhode Island. So it's it's a really sweet book, and I'm reading that at the beach. And uh, my sort of management e-book that I'm reading is Work Rules, which Uh, was written by Laszlo Bach, who is the head of people at Google. Mm -hmm. You know, I find their culture really interesting, and I'm I'm just fascinated by some of the things that they discuss in the book. And I'm I'm about three-quarters through it, and I I can't wait to finish it because their culture just really, it amazes me.
1: Yeah, it really is fascinating. I mean, it's not really replicatable, really, for most of us. That is very true. (laughs) Maybe any of us, but, yeah, there are things to learn. And just just the fact that they created their own kind of unique thing is the lesson that that i take from them you know that yeah you can go and create this thing that makes sense for you and for your people and for what you sell and what you do in the marketplace but there isn't like one formula you know you can't just take this this and this and you're going to have a great company culture it takes so many different things that are so unique to 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 location to, to industry to everything right
2: yeah, it's, it's amazing. Uh, we, I went to a function at the Google offices in the New York office a couple of months ago. And, you know, there's Google security all around. And I, I pushed the elevator button on every floor because I really wanted to see what each floor looked like. Because I was fascinated by the space. I mean, it was magnificent. Mm-hmm. It was really beautiful. And, like, you know, reading that they, you know, slow down the, the lines for lunch so that you talk to the people with you because presumably you talk to the people, you like them, you have relationships, and you want to stay at a job longer when you have relationships with people you like and it sort of all goes together so it's it's pretty interesting
1: yeah it's interesting i mean i hear about some of that stuff i always go well that's kind of like i kind of almost messing with some like lab rats at that point right like we're going to slow down the line so you guys talk more because you're not talking enough i don't know you almost be better off having some something more fun but than standing in the lunch line for an extra five minutes Well, so you, know, you mentioned a lot of great things today, and i'm I'm wondering if you can maybe you can summarize what you think is the the best takeaway from from what we talked about so far.
2: Well, I think emplo- your employees are your most valuable asset. I think you always need to remember that and you need to treat them well.
1: Well, those are those are really good words, I think to go by. I mean you're, people forget how important your employees are. Uh, we we take them for granted. We should put it that way, right? They're there. They're working hard. And sometimes we could just do a little bit more to make things exponentially better, right? But some small thing has such a huge impact on the organization that doesn't really take a, a lot of money or a lot of time or a lot of effort. And it always seems like those organizations that are failing, I forget those little lessons. So I think those are fantastic words of wisdom. Um, if people are interested in learning more about your company or want to connect with you, what's the best way for them to do that?
2: Well, you can go to our website, which is SiegelGale.com. You can email me at LoriLAlmeda at com. You can connect with me on LinkedIn. You can follow me on Twitter. My Twitter name is at Lori Almeda. You can just drop by 625 6th Avenue if you're in the neighborhood and I'm here.
1: <laughs> now, in SiegelGale, because anyone is it? like me, maybe be a little bit challenged in trying to spell things correctly, S-I-E-G-E-L and then G-A-L-E. Correct. Just in case, because who knows how I would have spelled it. I usually get everyone's names wrong when I pronounce them on the radio. You pronounced
2: mine right. I was very impressed because nobody pronounces my name right in New York.
1: Well, it's probably just because I met you. I probably cheated, so I must have remembered, right? (laughs) Otherwise, I would have just screwed it all up. Well, in New York, I can see that. It's a little bit different in L.A., so... We have, we have different names that are more common here, I guess, but anyways. Yeah,
2: in Rhode Island, everybody knows how to pronounce Alameda. Right. In New York, nobody can.
1: Well, we have an Alameda County in, in California. Some may have helped, too. Yeah, Yeah,
2: well. that does help.
1: <laughs> well, it's a real pleasure having you on the show today. I'm sure we'll get you to come back at some point, give us an update, and uh, keep up the great work, and uh, best of luck to you. Thank you. All right. Be sure to turn in uh, next uh, Tuesday, 1 p.m. Pacific Standard Time. And my guests will include uh, Janet Piefer, I think I'm saying that right. CEO of uh, Piefer or Pifer Power Seminars and Meg Newman, uh, Senior Vice President of Human Resources at HD Supply. Until then, do what you love and show the world how talented you can be today.
0: You've been listening to Town Talk Radio Show brought to you by People G2.